and I went down to a conference and this girl was talking about your comfort zone and getting to your glory zone and how sometimes you have to make the leap and a lot of times our comfort zone is that zone that we live in after we graduated and we have our job and we've you know you've kind of matriculated through different positions and that's your comfort zone but your glory zone is where you're using everything within you Hey everyone, I'm Jason V. This is Local Color, a show about the local color that makes Baltimore great. Today's guest is Randy Woods, Chief Nurse Executive Officer at Art of Healthcare. Randy's had a successful career in nursing that's taken her across the nation and back. In a world that only offered enough, Randy wanted more, not just for herself, but for her community. Stay tuned. Randy Woods was born and raised in West Baltimore. In Emerson Village. I grew up in a single-family household, but my dad lived pretty much rather close, so we could walk five minutes away. Uh, But my mother uh, raised three kids. Uh, With the help of her dad, we like lived in a multi-generational household. My grandfather lived with us as well. Randy's mom was a career nurse turned business owner, and her father worked at Bethlehem Steel. The only thing longer in his life is me (laughs) like he was down at bethlehem steel for like 34 years i love blue collar i mean he made it happen though her parents weren't together they made sure randy and her siblings were taken care of randy went to catholic school for elementary school and high school for a lot of kids school brings learning but also culture shock for about four years i was the only person of color in this school but then came back to a neighborhood Um, where all of my friends were black, but I didn't interact with them throughout the day, right? So I was developing a different culture in school and then another culture um, outside. There was a young lady named Karen, and in my normal culture, I would have called her Karen. And I remember the first time I called her Karen, and I was like, why didn't she turn around? Is she being rude to me? And everybody was like, who are you calling? I was like, Karen. And they were like, you mean Karen? I was like, Oh, yeah, I guess I do mean Karen. So then when I went home and I'm like calling my girlfriend up the street, I was like, Karen, Karen. And my sister turns around and says, who are you calling? I'm like, Karen. She was like, you mean Kern? I was like, (laughs) she was like, that school is definitely changing you. (laughs) Name pronunciation aside, living between two worlds was beneficial for Randy. What it did for me is for me to have self-reflection and for for me to have more awareness of myself. And I use those experiences, experiences that maybe I would not have had to live a broader life, right? Um, so I was, I had a best friend and they would go camping during the summertime. Um, that was not something that we were doing during the summertime and like camping outside in a tent and everything that's just not, uh, it wasn't a part of my, my upraising. When we would go on vacation, it would probably be to the South to visit our family. That's what it was based around. Um, so I, I took those moments and embraced them um, and just tried to make the best out of them. I definitely think that there is a lot to learn and a lot to gain from having an immersion of cultures. In her last year of Catholic school, Randy's parents gave her a choice, stay in Catholic school or go to public school. I could go back into Catholic high school or I could go to one of the top three uh, Baltimore City public schools. And I was like, I think I'm going to go to a, a city public school. After high school, Randy went to Temple University in Philadelphia. It was a great experience, but again, culture shock. Not from students with different backgrounds, but from the introduction of a male student body. Randy's choice to go to Western was a deliberate one. I don't think that I was ready for 
the interaction with black males at that point or the chanting of like as a girl i was a, a young girl i was pretty developed so i didn't want to hear people calling me thunder thighs or look at your waist and i just wanted to concentrate on school concentrate on school she did but it wasn't easy i was in the pre-med program before and i think i can remember taking organic chemistry and like it was another organic chemistry and something else during the same semester and i can remember calling my mother and i was like i don't know what depression feels like Mm -hmm. but i feel like my world is consumed like and if i don't pass this class like everything in my world will you know will crush and she was like just take the test finish it out and then decide if you want to continue on that track and i was like you know i'm doing all of this and i don't even know how how people get admitted to a hospital like i don't even understand any of that and my grandmother said well you know you can still be a physician and not go the regular route like nurses have more insight and um, are able to go into the hospitals earlier. And so then that's when I decided to change my major to nursing. In addition to changing tracks from pre-med to nursing, Randy pledged Delta Sigma Theta. I can remember being in my dorm room and my best, my, my roommate, her sister called and said, hey, there's a rush on campus today, you should go. And I was like, oh, okay. And I will tell you the funniest thing is Randy did not know a lot about Delta Sigma Theta. Like what I knew is like school days and other movies I had watched like, okay, well, I mean, step in and it's like a group of people that get together and we are going to do some community service work. And I went and I was like, okay. And I see all of these other women who have been on the campus, other girls, like going up to the older members of the sorority and introducing themselves and networking and everything. I was like, I don't really know anybody. I mean, like (laughs) when I came to school, my mother and my father were like, study, study, study and get on the choir. (laughs) So someone came over to me and was like, we've never seen you around. And I was like, I, so I introduced myself and they were like, oh, so you're interested. And I was like, after hearing everything, like, yeah, it's a cool organization, blah, blah, blah. And I can remember them saying, so what's your GPA? And I was like, oh, it's a 3.8. And then everyone came over to me like, (laughs) she has a 3.8, blah, blah, blah. And it was another big sister from Baltimore. And they were like, oh, Tia, come over here and meet this girl. She's from Baltimore. And they noticed my nails. Back in the day, I was wearing uh, acrylic nails. And I can remember I had coral on it. Someone said, oh, you have on pink nail polish? And me being who I am, I said, no, that's coral. That's not pink. That's coral. And they were like, did she just correct us? I was like, I mean, but it is coral. Strike one, but with a GPA like Randy's, they let it slide. Randy applied to join Delta and had no idea what the pledging process would be like. It was there she earned her second strike. I can remember even once they had picked everyone and I was with my now line sisters and we were talking about something and somebody said, well, if there's a fight, what would you do, Randy? And me being naive, I was like, well, I don't fight, so I'm going to call the police. And my line sister said, I I don't want to mess with her. I don't want (laughs) to mess with her. Don't worry, there was no strike three. Eventually, Randy got with the program and became a full-fledged soror of Delta Sigma Theta. It was a great experience for her, one that still pays dividends today. Now being a soror, it's a great networking opportunity. I would have to say, like, after high school, that was my first real big network of african-american women i can go anywhere and actually leverage delta randy believes anyone who's interested in pledging a historically black fraternity or sorority should even if it's the grad chapter 
After the trials of pledging and graduating from Temple, Randy went back home to Baltimore and got right to work. She started her nursing career at Johns Hopkins, an enviable position for college grads the world over. I came and I worked at Hopkins, and from there we opened up the Weinberg Building, which is now like on Broadway and Orlane Street. Is that the one with like the, the different colored pieces of glass on it? No, so that's the newest, newest building. So that's some of the pediatric building. Mm -hmm. This building is like right on Broadway, like Catacorner to Popeyes. To that <laughs> Okay, I know, I, know, I, know, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> that was a great experience in being a new nurse and going from an old floor and opening up a new floor and then also um, engaging in a new specialty. The Weinberg Center was a surgical oncology unit, which is where Randy worked once the floor opened. Oncology is the study of tumors, but in the parlance of our times, oncology is synonymous with cancer. Did you have any difficulty working in that department? Like, did you become attached to any of your patients or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Because I worked on the surgical oncology floor, uh, dealing a lot with um, pancreatic cancer. And pancreatic cancer is pretty, it's a very aggressive cancer. One young lady I remember, she was probably only 22, had a history of Crohn's disease, and she had had multiple surgeries, huge open abdominal uh, wounds and everything. We couldn't get good good closure around her wounds and everything and she had ostomy you know ostomies and everything she was one person that stuck out to me because to be in be that young and the majority of your months and years were spent in the hospital uh with different tubes and everything else like that it takes you back and it humbles you that specific patient didn't survive her diagnosis but her memory lives on in randy's heart after two years at Johns Hopkins, Randy decided to do travel nursing. Uh, you take contracted positions uh, around the state, and I only went out to California and then back up to Philadelphia. <laughs> it's a great experience because you come in contact with different systems, and you have to learn really quickly and get to know people. Throughout our conversation, I could only marvel at Randy's selflessness. That dedication to civil service is something Randy's had since she was a kid back in West Baltimore. I can remember when my mother would come looking for me, I would be always at an older person's house, kind of talking to them or helping them to bathe. And the funniest thing is our babysitter, I think we used to take care of her. She had a commode when she got older. Her name was Nanny. That's how we referenced her. <laughs> um, and Nanny would say, empty my commode and everything. And at first I was like, this is the most disgusting thing ever. But then it gave me an opportunity. Like, I also remember the feeling of after the commode was emptied and, you know, cleaning up around the house and what that felt like to serve. For a few years, Randy led a successful nursing career. She returned to Baltimore and Johns Hopkins after travel nursing, but noticed her fuse with patients was getting shorter and shorter. After travel nursing, I went, actually went back to my first floor that I worked at at Hopkins. I loved helping patients. I love coming in for a 12-hour shift huh. and going around meeting all of my patients and then looking at what I needed to do and making it a game like, who my patients are going to love me? Who's going to love me more? And one day, someone called me while I was sitting at the nurse's station from their room. And I can remember like, why are they calling me? Like I just sat down. And that's when I realized like, you might need a break. 
Though it's not classified in the DSM as a mental disorder, burnout is very real. The term was coined in 1974 by psychologist Herbert Freudenberger. He got the name from drug addicts he treated who were so high they let their lit cigarettes burn out, sometimes burning their fingers. Sensing she was in the early phases of burnout, Randy decided to make a change. She moved from direct care to clinical economics. That career move also moved her from Johns Hopkins to Mercy Hospital, but she never completely left the world-famous institution. I started taking um, a certificate course at Hopkins uh, School of Nursing called the Business of Nursing, and it really introduced you to the business side, how to read finance reports, um, you know, about supply demand, supply, supply chain demand, and everything else like that. And so I thought I would do the nurse executive route from a hospital perspective. And while I was at uh, Mercy, I was like, oh, well, now I want to, you know, the natural progression is I want to lead people. Like, I've been in nursing for five years. People should listen to me, and I'm a leader. Lead she did. Randy made another change from the hospital to a skilled nursing facility where she supervised a staff of 20. Though she was away from the bedside and on track to advance her career, some aspects of her work were a punch to the gut. The conditions, the working conditions sometimes can be a little harsh and it can be very sad because some people have just been left there, nobody's visiting them. Even for the skilled nursing side where it was a temporary place and people were just coming in for rehab and going back home, even that was just complex in and of itself. Clients with temporary stays at the facility presented an added challenge for Randy. How, how much can they get when they get home, like services or resources and how hard that was to navigate. With so much happening for her professionally, Randy decided, hey, why don't I up the ante? By this time, I had been a nurse for probably 12 years, and there was something called a patient-centered medical home and care first, and I had never worked in insurance. I saw this position become available, and I applied at Care First, and while I was at Care First, I managed a training and quality team. We trained nurses coming in on the program itself, on the patient-centered medical home program, but then also how to engage patients, right? And by this time, I'm also changing as a person. Those changes involve looking at her career and thinking. Every job, Randy, you're always looking for more. And I'm not sure if it's you looking to lead people more so as looking to have greater impact. And so what does that look like? I remember going to a conference called uh, Speak for Pay because I wanted to do more speaking. Educating is about speaking and you're talking a lot. And I went down to a conference and this girl was talking about your comfort zone and getting to your glory zone and how sometimes you have to make the leap. And a lot of times our comfort zone is that zone that we live in after we graduated and we have our job and we've, you know, you've kind of matriculated through different positions and that's your comfort zone. But your glory zone is where you're using everything within you. And so then I started thinking about transitioning and there was no other job out there, no other title that I wanted or anything else like that. I just wanted to be free and do my own thing. Freedom. It's all we ever want, right? Randy saw that no company or organization would give her what she wanted professionally. Instead of waiting for an opportunity, she made her own. I, I knew that from the nurses coming in that my time in nursing was a lot different than most people's time in nursing. Most nurses had never delved or never had had the opportunity to see 
how much money moves through healthcare and how how we impact that daily. I was talking to a mentor about like how I wanted to do consulting. And plus I still want to deal with people too on an individual level about how do you create this culture of health for yourself like and how do you take control of that and how does how do you do that through education and movement and blah 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 and she was like you should do something and it should be like the art of healthcare because you're creating like it's like this whole thing it's not one piece it's like a creation and so that's how art of healthcare was kind of born at its center art of healthcare is about community and education at the time of the interview, Art of Healthcare was working with a community-based organization to develop a care management system. Care management systems are programs that coordinate all facets of care from patient interaction to keeping costs down. Art of Healthcare also works as a go-between with community organizations and hospitals. Each do good work, but for some reason, they rarely interact with one another. What I try to do is be a liaison to say, community-based organizations, hey, you guys do engagement great. Hospitals, not so much. What they do is take care of patients, but when people go back out to the community, that's where they break down. While Art of Healthcare devotes itself to community and bringing all branches of healthcare together, the industry isn't without its isolated problems or silos. Hospital nurses, they play a huge role, but I think one of the biggest silos is that they don't get to actually see what pe- who the people that they're serving in the hospitals, what it's like when they're outside of that controlled environment. As a healthcare professional, it's easy to use medical jargon to tell someone, hey, your life would be great if you stopped using drugs, but not everyone is a medical professional. Some of us are just trying to make it to tomorrow. On top of that, food deserts and pervasive ideas about healthcare affect the general public in ways some healthcare professionals may not understand. That last bit is another thing Randy wants to change in healthcare, how we think about it. We talk about health from a place of fear, and we talk about it from a place of gloom and doom when we talk about health it should be in a vibrant manner like in talking about it from a place of people thriving right that's where we want people to be and so in order to do that i think it takes us to change it from an educational standpoint uh it takes for us to look at it in the ways in which we implement procedures and protocols it takes for us to look at leadership. Like, how do we how do we even message things to our em- employees, right? So, from education, from how we implement to even to how we lead, really from how we lead, we want people to thrive. And when people are thriving, they're working, they're traveling, they're doing all of these things. They are contributing to society. In the twenty first century, healthcare is in a precarious state. Politics aside, the real fear for many people when thinking about doctors and hospitals is about health, but more about money. We live in a society where we don't have time to get sick because, after all, time is money. If you're sick, you can't work, can't get paid if you don't work, and even if you do go to the hospital or take an ambulance ride, part of you is just calculating how bad the debt will be when you get better. Randy's mission with Art of Healthcare isn't to just change the culture of healthcare for the professionals. She wants professionals to empower patients so they can go to their communities and share with their peers measures they can take to help keep them out of the hospital. You cannot give people health. You can help them to create a culture of health for themselves, and everybody will have their own culture of health when we start to to work from that place, especially in the community where people live, work, and play. Um, and, and creating care, care plans from that place, then we have better, we have better outcomes. 
Randy's got a lot going on for Art of Healthcare. She's working with a lot of local organizations to retool how they engage with their communities. If you want to learn more about Art of Healthcare or just get in touch with Randy, you can always go to artofhealthcare.com, our website. Um, if you wanted to just email me, info at artofhealthcare.com. I also have an online presence. I, I would say follow me on Facebook at uh, Randy Elizabeth, and that's with an S-E-L-I-S. A-B-E-T-H. I think I'm forgetting how to spell my own name. <laughs> um, Randy Elizabeth. Um, and then on Instagram, um, inspirational nurse underscore Randy. Today's episode of Local Color was written, produced, narrated, edited, and published by me, Jason V. Follow Local Color on Instagram at Local Color Podcast. You can also like Local Color on Facebook. Head to Local Color's website, localcolorpodcast.com, where you can listen to the entire catalog. Also, please subscribe to Local Color on iTunes to get those push notifications when new episodes drop. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason V, and I'll be back with more Local Color 